So as a parent, if you haven't heard of Nets, then you haven't met the worst day of your life. Just a warning that this week's episode covers themes of infant and pediatric death. Please make sure you're in the right headspace before you listen to the episode. It may bring up things for you personally. Please remember there are um, services out there that can help you um, if you're dealing with any of this sort of stuff. Um, And please remember, just look after yourselves. I hope you enjoy the episode. Um, Thank you so much. Bye. Hey, EDGM listeners, welcome to episode 11, Catching Babies in Nets. And you're right, I'm here at the Nets base. Now, I am super pumped to be here to paint the picture for you guys. I'm sitting in my car across the road from the Nets base. I can see four ambulances parked here in the station. I can see a helicopter to my left. I can see a planes going overhead to my right. This place is busy. Now, today, I get the privilege of chatting to Jillian Massey. Jill is a retrieval nurse, a NICU nurse, and a pediatric nurse who's been working at Nets for a while now. She's going to run us through what it's like to work here at Nets, to deal with the pediatric and neonatal population. Um, Nets is an intensive care unit on wheels, mobile. These guys see a range of patients and look after the sick of the sick. And these guys uh, look after really, really tiny babies. Um, I'm really pumped to be here. Um, I'm excited to walk through those doors. Sitting here for the last 10 minutes, I've seen a team already go out. Um, I'm, I'm getting butterflies. I'm getting a little nervous. Um, and I hope you are too. Let's get into the episode. Jill, thank you and welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Dude, I'm pumped. Now, um, Jill, working at Nets is a pretty exciting job. First of all, Jill, who are you? First and foremost, I'm a mother. Um, but I guess a, a huge portion of my life would have to be um, working as a retrieval nurse for Nets. Yeah. Cool. Um, how long have you worked at Nets for? So we're coming up to, this would be my sixth year. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Do you love it? I absolutely love it. That's why I've been here for so long. <laughs> Duh. Um, now, what is NETS? Let's start off, because some people hear the word NETS, I think, you know, you're catching things. Like, what is NETS? We love acronyms in health. So yeah. what is NETS? So NETS actually stands for Newborn and Pediatric Emergency Transport Service. And our tagline is Moving Intensive Care for Kids. So... Um, we're an emergency service for sick or injured babies, infants and children that require transfer to a specialist perinatal or paediatric centre. We service over 250 hospitals in New South Wales and the ACT and um, beyond at times. So I know yesterday we had a team that flew to Noomea. So that was Ooh, pretty exciting. Pretty yeah. far. Yeah, so we are staffed by doctors, nurses, ambulance drivers, technical and support staff, and we run a 24-7 service. 24 hours a day. Yeah. Does that mean night shifts? Absolutely. Oh, killer! <laughs> so, 
seven years of night shifts. Yeah, yeah. And you're a mum too, so yeah. you know how to deal with lack of sleep. Yes. Well, I feel like oh, becoming a mother was probably my toughest gig. Okay. Yeah. Harder than being a retrieval nurse. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Now, um, working in nets, you've been to... What's the furthest location you've been to? Been? The furthest I've ever been. I dropped off a baby at, at Brisbane, wow. the Mater. Yeah. Cool. So that's probably the fur- furthest I've been. The yep. first job that I really remember was flying to Griffith. Griffith. Okay. Yeah. Right. That was really cool by a fixed wing. Yeah. Yep. Nice. Now, every person that knows Nets will know, and I can even vouch for this, every yep. time Nets comes into hospital, I always feel like they're super happy. And the tagline I get is, thank God you're here. Okay. <laughs> that's what I get. I'm like, oh, shit, is they here? Well, I'm glad it's a positive response because that's what we want. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, a few things we're going to get through. We're going to get to know a little bit about you. Yep. Um, I guess, what does it look like? You know, you wake up, you're a mum, your, your boy's gone to daycare, you drive mm-hmm. here. I know what it's like because I've just walked in, but tell me what happens as being a nets nurse. How does it work? Okay, so our roster, we do 10-hour shifts, um, and half of our roster is either retrieval or coordination. Um, And a lot of people don't know that, that the nurses are actually working a lot with the logistics and the tasking of the teams. So I'll run you through what it's like to be um, doing a retrieval shift. Sweet. Um, So the first thing that we do, I guess, is we'll come in at the moment, we have to sign in at the front and take our temperature and do all that fun stuff because of COVID. Mine was normal, 36-1. Yep, yep. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then we'll pop our bags down. We grab our phones for this shift. Um, and then we kind of just signal to the coordinator, hey, I'm here. Um, and if there's there's no jobs running at the moment, then we kind of sniff around base, see if there's any cleaning that needs to be done. We'll catch up with our database. Yep. Um, and then if you're working a morning shift, we do a morning meeting where we review a lot of our cases um, and we, we just wait for calls. We also run a lot of simulations as well. Yeah, I've been to the sim room. It was epic. Yeah, I felt cool. like it was triply as good as the one we have. I was like, this is epic. Yeah, it's amazing actually. Yeah, we've put a lot of work into it. Legend. Now tell me, you're sitting on base, you've done your cleaning and then a call comes in. Yeah, so what happens is one of our annunciators will go off. So yeah. it's a it's a binging noise throughout the whole building. You we can't just heard it. one before. We did and you might actually hear it on the podcast if it goes off. Yep. So I'll point it out if it does. <laughs> Thank it's you. quite loud. Um, and so we'll go into a room called the hot room yep. um, and we'll dial into the conference. So that's where a, a hotline's rung through to coordination. And that nurse drops them into a conference room and then presses the annunciator and then our consultant will join and then the all the all the teams will, will dial in and yeah. we'll listen to the call on mute. So we kind of get the idea of what we're looking at when it comes to what kind of patient we're going out for. Uh, the annunciator goes off, you get told you're heading out to Wagga Griffith. Um, you're going via, you can go via multiple ways or routes. I'm assuming if it's really far, you're going via faster of transport yeah so i guess wagga would probably fly with a helicopter yep. we can do fixed wing and we actually can drive if the you can drive yeah if the weather's bad okay yeah so we right. have um obviously if that happens we're all a bit not that thrilled about yeah. it but, <laughs> but we we have to do what we have to do right which one do you like going most by um helicopter okay i thought most people say <laughs> what's it like you know flying how do you feel when you get in there you're doing nursing and you're flying yeah there's always a little bit of a thrill. It's, yep. there's al- yeah, there's always a bit of an excitement to it. Um, there's some days where you're a bit more tired than others, okay. um, but mostly it's, 
yeah, it's a yeah. bit of an adrenaline rush. And going over the Harbour Bridge, you know, it's still pretty cool. Yeah. We... Oh, you never get over that. Okay, cool. Never get over that. I was thinking it was pretty cool. <laughs> What's NETS all about? Who, who started it? So NETS was started by our state director. Andrew Who's Berry. here in the building, who, yeah. I've, who I've seen. Cool. Yeah, he's he's pretty unreal, Andrew Berry. Um, now, <laughs> Foundations of NETS was actually started in 1977. Woo! Okay. Um, after published studies showed that the use of skilled assistance prior to transport improved the chance of survival of premature babies. Yep. Makes sense. Does. Okay, so 1979, the first transport of a critically ill newborn baby by helicopter was made from Tari to Sydney. Wow. The baby unfortunately later passed away as a result of a complicated heart condition. However, this case placed an emphasis on the need to provide skilled advice from clinicians to assist doctors to provide better treatment and mm. earlier referral. 100%. And then in the early 80s, although there was still a higher need to move babies, more children were being transported. Mm. So all of these retrievals were run out of different units, like the Royal North Shore NICU and the Royal Alexandria Hospital for Children, which is the old children's hospital. Yep. And it wasn't until 1985 that specialist nurses were introduced into emergency transport. I mean, that's pretty crazy, yeah, to be honest. 100%. And then in 1989, I find this really cool, the world's first dedicated helicopter was launched to support neonatal and paediatric transport teams within Sydney. Yeah, and that was child flight. Yeah. Um, 1994, neonatal and paediatric retrieval programs were amalgamated. Mm. And these teams operated from one location under the one banner, which is NETS. Nets. In 1995, the new NETS was established and was moved into a new purpose-built base with road and air assets for transport, and that was out of Westmead. Okay. And in 2007, NETS obtained the legislated status of an ambulance service. Yes. So that, yeah, so that allowed the use of dedicated ambulances to be operated directly by the service. And then in 2008, we developed two satellite services for newborns, which was formalised in Canberra and in Newcastle. And these satellite services operate out of the NICUs there, and they have dedicated NETS ambulance drivers. Which I've met today. Yes, yeah, awesome. you've, you've met. And I got to go into the ambulance, and I was like, "Woohoo, yeah!" Yeah. So look, there's there's a quite there's quite a big history to Nets. It's really interesting. Yep. But that's all on the website if you wanted to have a look at the extensive awesome. history. Uh, we were just talking to a colleague who's been here for a number of years. Yeah. And she said the thing that makes it brilliant is the team and the variety of jobs. Absolutely. But there's just so, so much diversity. Um, when we see kids, oh, so hang on, what's that? Yeah. So that's our annunciator going off. So that's just letting us know that a hotline's come through and. Um, like I said earlier, everyone will kind of gather around the phone to have a listen. So. Mm, I always want to listen in. Immediately after the annunciator went off, I could hear people congregating outside the door. They were going into a room to listen to a story of a critically unwell, newborn or paediatric patient. I wondered, who was the patient? What did they look like? Were they breathing? I looked across at Jill. She looked calm, like she'd heard this alarm multiple times before. She didn't look scared, she didn't look apprehensive, but she looked like she knew what she was doing. I wondered what a shift would have been like yesterday. What did she see? How did she feel? What was it like to hold a baby who was so unwell? Did they survive? This team is exceptional to do what they do and to continue to smile every day. Now, um, name your oldest and youngest patient. 
Well, let's start with youngest. Youngest, okay. Okay, so um, a, a baby of 24 weeks gestation would wow. probably be the youngest. Okay. Um, and then the eldest would have been a 16-year-old. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, a real variety of age. And why kids? Why, why, why did you choose? I'm sorry, yeah, why did you choose pediatrics? Why, why, not, why, not, why not the elderly, you know, the aging population, Jill? Oh, this is terrible. Like, I'd love to say that I've got, like, a really beautiful story. <laughs> but to be honest, I just didn't want to nurse geriatrics. Okay. <laughs> I just didn't want to be changing pads. Understandable. <laughs> on an adult. You um, prefer huggies. Yeah, I prefer <laughs> huggies. Like, baby poos are so much cuter. <laughs> love it. It's so good. You say 24 weeks, I start to get shaky. I start, really, I start yeah. to think I need some propanolol. Um, <laughs> for you, that's your comfort zone. Like, Absolutely. You feel comfortable looking after really tiny kids. I, I've, I've got to say, though, when I first started at NETS, um, although, because my background is paediatric ICU, okay. um, and, and in that paediatric ICU that I worked at, we did have babies. Yeah. Um, so we used to have like post-op cardiac babies, and they were quite tiny. Yeah. Um, but I never dealt with the real premature babies, okay. like the 500 grammers. So when I came, 500 to, grams. Yeah. Wow. So when I came to Nets, um, that that was still a bit of a shock for me, mm. and it was actually quite frightening. But you kind of get eased into it because you, you do have, you know, weeks where you're supernumerary okay. prior to being released by yourself. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> hey, Jill, have fun. It's yeah, your first yeah. Day on off, the job. <laughs> off you go out to Griffith, Grafton, wherever. Yeah. Um, no, but um, that was actually probably one of the most frightening things when I first started and I've actually really grown to love it. I okay. love dealing with premature babies. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It takes a special person and we'll get onto that yeah. later. It takes a special person to look after these type of kids. Like we've gone through the base mm -hmm. and for a kid who's 500 grams and I'm going to say nowhere near as long as my, my feet, <laughs> um, you've got equipment coming out of your ears. We really do. Yeah. yeah. You've got, um, you know, stuff to do neurosurgery on kids down there. We do. You've got amazing machines that are doing all different types of gases, all different types of drugs. Yeah. I think one of the things you're referring to would be nitric oxide. We have the ability yep. to provide that in retrieval, which I think is unreal. Awesome. Um, and it's not a unit that we carry on our system all the time. So mm -hmm. if a child needs, when I say a child, a baby yep. needs nitric oxide, we actually have to task an extra team member for that. Well. So it's another nurse and we have to place it on a system at base yep. and then we send it out to the team that requires it. Okay. Um, so that has to be, I guess, organized by the coordinator yep. who is clinical and yep. is listening to these calls and is starting to piece together a bit of a picture. And sometimes we can preempt it. Okay, cool. Sometimes we can't, but it's usually with our PPHN cases, which is persistent pulmonary hypertension. Yep. And they're probably one of my favorite cases because they're so complex. Yep. Um, and, you know, you get to do a lot of skills with them. Yep. Um, but, yeah, you, you can kind of preempt it. You, you know that if you're going for a PPHN, there is a chance that you might need nitric oxide. Yep. And you're technically bringing an intensive care unit to a, a site. Yeah, yep. so um, we have a system that will place the patient on which has a ventilator it has pumps yep. um it, like depending if it's a neonatal patient it will have an incubator yeah which i've just seen today yeah amazing yeah it's yep. it's it's, mm. it's it's pretty amazing actually and the dynamic is really different between us um because i guess in a unit you'd be used to the nurse is kind of doing everything yep. under the watch of a doctor yep. um whereas at nets you really do work as a team yeah what's your, been your most exciting moment working in nets um, when you sort of felt like, you know, you got to pinch yourself, like, yeah. oh wow, I'm, you know, look, look where I am, or what did I do today? I'm driving home, yeah, back home, and I'm like, 
what did I, I can't believe I did that today. Yeah. Um, I, there, there is one that comes to mind straight away. Um, yep. and it was a patient that we had to retrieve. I'll just say, um, south of Sydney, probably yep. a two hour drive south yep. of Sydney. Yep. Um, and this, this patient was a trauma. Yep. Um, and it was, I guess we were alerted pretty early on that this child needed neurosurgery. Yep. Um, and so we actually have a neurosurgical kit okay. that has drill bits, a drill, um, EVD, all of these amazing, yep. weird and wonderful things. Mm-hmm. Um, and we can take that neurosurgical kit with us and actually pick up a neurosurgeon from a tertiary center, <laughs> which is unreal. So look, it's the only job that I've ever done where we've had to pick up a neurosurgeon, but it was one of those moments where um, we, when, this is when our base was located at Westmead. I flew from Westmead out to um, the Sydney Children's Hospital yep. and we hot loaded a neurosurgeon. And this, so when I say hot loaded, it means that the blades are still turning. So, <laughs> and I don't know if anyone listening has been close to a helicopter when the blades are still turning, like you feel like you're gonna get blown away. It's noisy, it's unpleasant. Yeah. And so we're packing this neurosurgeon into the back of the helicopter and I turn to him and I'm trying to introduce myself <laughs> over all this noise. And it's one of those moments where I'm like, this is just so bizarre. Like I've not met you, you don't know who I am. Yes. We're going down to do neurosurgery. Yeah. Like, let's do this. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, I'm Jill, I'm gonna be your nurse. <laughs> yeah, it was it was pretty much like that. And and to, to this neurosurgeon's credit, he was just so cool. Like, yep. yeah, whatever. I guess, you know, you're a neurosurgeon. Like, yeah, what, what, what gets else? more exciting than that? So, 100%. Yeah. That's awesome. And All I'm, in a day's work. You know, with any of our things we talk about, we can say, oh, like, tell me the major to the minor. But with this, everything's major. Really. Like, you've got a kid who's yeah. intubated. Hello. Every emergency person really is on edge from, from my perspective yeah, goes, sure. oh, I'm, I'm a little worried here um and you guys come in and it's almost like the top gun you guys turn up and you're cool oh, you're wow. collected <laughs> you, commu- you communicate really well yeah and i found that um really helpful from an ed perspective um how does it operate we've got a really sick kid in our, t- in our tertiary center mm-hmm. how do we talk to you guys how do we communicate with you um, so I think every ED, um, well, every centre in New South Wales has yep. a NETS hotline number, right? Yep, so they do, yep. Yeah. Um, I guess, yeah, if you if you feel as though this child needs referral to NETS, give us a call. I've got a really sick kid. Yep. He's a bronc. Uh, he looks horrible. Um, and, you know, let's say I've got someone on the phone saying he looks really bad. How do you see that kid? So we have something called Vision for Life. um, And a lot of hospitals, I'd say, I think most of our hospitals have a camera in their ED, special care nursery, children's ward, where we can actually live stream and see that child. Okay. So we can see that child's work of breathing. So if you're describing to us a patient that has got um, subcostal um, recessions, intercostal, you know, using their um, abdominal muscles, you know, and they've got this increased work of breathing, we can actually see that on camera and go, yeah, okay. We need to come. We need to come. Does it look the same? Like you're looking at the camera and you go, yeah, I think he's breathing hard. Or, and when you yeah. get there, is it different? Or do you, you do get a pretty good picture of, oh yeah, he does look pretty bad. We've got to get in that look, it, helicopter. It is a really life-saving piece cool, of technology. Awesome. Yep. Because we've had situations where we've, We've been told about this child. Oh, it doesn't sound too bad, yeah, and then on, we, guys. yeah, and then we turn on Vision for Life, and we're like, we need to task the team straight away. Let's get moving. Yeah, yeah. So it, it is, yeah, it's pretty amazing this technology. Funniest thing you've seen on a camera. Let's face it. You've, you know, I, I've, I've turned the camera on just to prompt someone before as, as fun. But what have you seen on a camera? Let's, it's oh, turned geez. on. Come on, you've, a centre's put their camera on, Clarkson. What have you seen? 
Look, I think this was a learning moment for me was to wait for my consultant to say, is that child underneath our camera? And for them to say yes, because sometimes you get a bit happy and cold yeah, yeah. Um, and you want to move things along. So you just turn that camera on knowing that, hey, that child, for, for instance, is, is in Sutherland ED. Yeah. Surely they're under the camera. Yeah. Well, not always. Um, I had a moment where I think I turned on the camera and I had a 90-year-old woman looking back at me. <laughs> <laughs> I very quickly turned that camera off. So it was a bit of a learning moment for me. <laughs> not not in my age demographic. No, Thank you. Have a yeah, great day. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> now, being in nets, and we talked a little about when you're going, you know, you're going out, you, we've, we've already heard the announcement how to go off. So we know currently now there's a team heading out somewhere in yep. New South Wales yep. to look after a really sick kid, um, a neonate or a paediatric patient. Yeah. Um, how do you feel? Like you're, when you're, you know, you're on shift and you're in the zone, how does Jill feel? Um, yeah, it's, it's different almost every day. Okay. It's funny because I think we, we tend to say you're only as good as your last job. Mm. And so if you had a job that, that really shook you up previously, when you come in for your next shift, you feel a bit nervous about everything. Yep. Um, you can't really get complacent at nets because you just don't know what you're running into. Yep. Um, and I think it's good to stay nervous because it means that you're staying safe. You don't want to be overly nervous when you 100%. can't operate, yeah. but you just want to have your wits about you okay. because you just don't know what you're going to be running into. Yeah. And yeah. you mentioned uh, off, off air, you mentioned basically you'd have a job and everyone would know when you came on that it was a bad job and you were greeted with like, a hug you agreed with just like yeah that camaraderie yeah talk me through that you know you've come off a really horrible case and you've yeah. got a colleague who's hey can we can we debrief you guys debrief here like yeah absolutely that's okay. something that yeah we we tend to do quite a bit yeah. um and i think the beauty of our clinical coordination is that um we all rotate through there yep. um so we all understand what it's like to be on the other side to be doing the retrievals um yep. so look i had a tough job the other week and when I came back and I ended up doing about five hours overtime and I was exhausted and I walked through the doors and I was greeted by my colleagues saying, hey, can I just make you a cup of tea? And just hearing those words, you're like, you know, you know what I went through, you know how hard we worked mm. and you know how tired I am. And that can just make a real difference. Yep. Um, yeah. So I think we're pretty fortunate um, that we've all kind of experienced those jobs. Yeah. Yeah. So, you, so, sort of, yeah. And I, I'm myself nowhere near your experience and had to deal with paediatric death and it is something that is not an easy topic to talk about at all no absolutely not um it is the reality um working at nets that you do come across death and i think you're never going to be ready for it um you're never prepared um and uh, you know there's two sides to this when i first started at nets Mm. i i didn't have any children okay and i think you know it it doesn't matter if you have a child or not, you, you grieve. Mm. Um, but you grieve differently. And when I transitioned to motherhood, it hit me in a different way. Mm. So prior to becoming a mother, you know, I'd, I'd have my way of dealing with it, whether it was like a packet of Tim Tams and a good sob into a blanket or, you know, mm. after mother, after I became a mother, um, I tend to find myself sitting next to my child at the nighttime just watching him sleep yeah, and no. just watching him breathe. Um yeah, it's, it's really interesting how we deal with grief here, um, mm. but we're all really supportive of one another and you know, our consultants and our managers are really great at debriefing us. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think 
you, you never really forget about those jobs. They always stick stick with you, and they're really vivid, vivid in your memory. Yes. You always you can see you can see the job clearly. Yeah, and especially when you think, you know, like when you when you're dealing with the elderly and they and they've passed away, you you, you sent you. I guess you go, oh well, it was really bad, but they did live a life for seventy years. Yeah. Whereas you look at a child and go, that child's three, he's only had three years of life. Yeah. That that is hard. Um. Absolutely. I think probably one of the hardest things that we tend to deal with is the parents are by the bedside when we're doing all of these things. Um, look, and that's not an unusual thing in an ED or an ICU. Um, but I guess if Nets is involved, things have escalated pretty quickly. Um, and I guess if you, if you don't know about Nets, it's because either you know you don't, you're not medical or you're not nursing. And when people ask me about it, what is Nets? And I say, if you don't know about it, that's great because it means that you haven't met the worst day of your life. Wow. Um, you know, yeah. Oh, goosebumps, sorry. Yeah. No, but it's true. Um, it's not. It's great because we walk into hospitals and everyone is so friendly and they, they greet us with relief, but you're also grieving parents that are really afraid. Um, How do you approach that? It, it depends. Like, I, I, we all kind of have a way of starting jobs and how we speak to the parents um yeah it depends on how sick that patient is but we always try and say to the parents hey like I can see you I'm Jill um and this is my doctor and nice to meet you but I'm I'm gonna just grab a handover I'm gonna do an assessment on your child and once I finish stabilizing them we'll have a chat but right now my priority is your child and I think they're really understanding of that Mm. and being a parent myself that's exactly what I would want yes you know, don't don't tell me. I don't want to know. Just do your work, and yep. then then come talk to me. You're um, the experts. You're coming here. Do do what you're trained to do. Yeah. And you guys, I don't know, but what I've seen is you hit the ground and you're running. You Absolutely. jump out of the helicopter. You get out of the ambulance. You get out of the fixed wing, and you're on. Yeah. And that's another. That's alarm. another announcer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And w- I've only been here for an hour, and that alarm's gone off multiple times today. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm getting goosebumps because I'm like, oh, what is it? And I want to know. Yeah. But yeah. also, I'm like. Just the way in professionalism, um, I'm walking around this base, there's teaching going on, yep. looking at x-rays, um, trying to improve clinical practice. Absolutely. Um, there's COVID stuff happening, COVID yeah. sims happening. How can we deal with COVID? Um, I'll bring it up as a subject maybe. With COVID, has it changed the way you operate as clinicians? Um, absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. Um, to the point where it pretty well um, anything that's respiratory, unless it's a, a newborn baby, um, is considered COVID unless okay. proven otherwise, which it really dramatically changes our practice. Your PP in like completely, you're yeah. sitting in a chopper completely PP'd up for it's a It's like long. wearing a plastic bag <laughs> for like a, a 10 hour shift. It's, yeah, it's horrible, but it's, it's just what you have to Great do. Great weight loss, but yeah. that's about it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're dehydrated, yes. that's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. It changes our practice and Parches we take it very seriously. Yeah, yeah, okay. And that's great. I think we should be taking COVID really seriously. Absolutely. And I've, you know, read some stuff, you know, they were talking about, um, yeah, Kawasaki's and a few different things that are happening in kids. Um, and it's scary. And I think you guys do an awesome job. Oh, thank you. What would be your advice to people who, who let's say, they want to get involved in NETS? They say, you know what, I'm a peds nurse. I've done a bit of yeah. ICU. Um, I've loved listening to Jill. I want to meet her. Uh, oh gosh. And, I, and, I, and I want to do nets. Like, I want to do nets. What would be your advice? Wow. 
I guess everyone that you would speak to at NETS has different advice. Going off my own experience, I was probably one of the youngest NETS nurses to be employed, the ripe old age of 23. Um, So my advice is is to wait. Um, Get as much experience as you can because I feel like coming to NETS, you're never going to have enough. Um, To make you the best candidate would be to have NICU and PICU under your arms, but also having some sort of ED training because a lot of our work, it's it's a mix of ED, ICU. And that will make you the ultimate candidate because it is quite competitive to get into nets. Um, A lot of people interview. So yeah, having those three things, you're guaranteed to get in. I want the most competitive looking after my child. Absolutely. um, I want the person who knows their stuff um, looking after, you know, someone who's really unwell. Um, and another question on that. Okay. <laughs> I know I'm getting a bit excited here. People always say to me, you know, why are Ned's taking so long? Okay, it's, it's something that yeah, gets okay. raised. What, yeah. Why Why are we, you know, we're waiting here. We're, we're out of capacity. We've got a really sick kid here. He's two. Um, we've made the decision to intubate him and we're really worried. His CO2 is going up. We've made a decision to call you guys and then they're complaining about length of time. Tell yeah. me a bit about that. A good a good example um, is while we've been sitting here, Ben's kind of mentioned the amount of annunciators that have gone off, which signifies a hotline. Yep. Um, now, in the morning, we only have two teams on base, and so that's a seven o'clock start and then a nine thirty start. So all our yep. teams are staggered throughout the day. Yep. Um, and then there's like first on call, second on call, third on call. If we've had three annunciators and all of those uh, jobs, and we've already sent our only two teams to two of those jobs, that means that there is one job that's waiting. Um, And unfortunately, we can't get to everything as Mm. quick as we'd like to. Um, If our consultant has said that a team will be sent to you, you're on our books, you know, you're up on our board, we can see that that job, we need to get to that job, but we just need to wait for a team to either start their shift or to finish a job. Um, And we do a lot of overtime. So we can be tasked five minutes up to when we finish. Yeah, and you've mentioned when we first got here about shifts that you've just extended. Yeah. Because of travel time. Yeah, absolutely, the travel time. sickness of patients. Yeah, so we tend to, like, either we stay in play because we are removing intensive care, we can bring ICU to you. Well, um, or we can do a swoop and scoop where we don't we don't want to stay in play because that patient that needs to stay them, in play. I love it. Yeah, <laughs> that patient really needs to get to a tertiary unit because obviously we can't do surgery yep. then and there. And they tend to be things like our surgical abdomens that okay, need to yep. get to, like for example, the Royal Hospital for Women or Sydney Children's or Grace at Westmead Children's. The hardest thing to get around is drugs. I find giving drugs to really small kids uh-huh. and working out calculations. Yeah. So I'm sitting there and I've got a kid who's been thrown on the bed in recess. We've made a guesstimate or estimate that the kid weighs four kilos. Yep. And then someone goes, hey, give me drugs for this kid who's four kilos. What do I do? We actually have a clinical um, calculator yep. that all of our teams use. So while we're listening to a call and we once we get the demographics of that child, so a date of birth and a weight, We'll enter that into our calculator, whether it's neonatal or paediatric, and then we have about three sheets that are printed. 
that can give you pretty much our most common drugs that are used, so like anticonvulsants, yep. antibiotics, yep. the amount of fluid based on like you know the age of the newborn, yep. um, our RSIs. Um, it even has information on there about what type of what size ET tube we should use, um, up to like where where we should be strapping it to the lips or to the nares. So, if you're working in an ED or like any hospital that can refer to nets you can actually access that calculator. Now we stress not to print off, yep. you know, like from one kilo upwards because our, our calculator is constantly updated. I always see it going, it's being under review. Yep. It'll be changed on the 23rd of March or yeah, something. Yep. Yeah, and which is great because it means that we're, you know, we're in line with the latest studies. Yep. Um, but you can access that calculator when you receive a PEED and you need to give really specific doses for things. Yep. Um, I think you need some sort of professional login for our yep. website. Yep. That's not hard to obtain. Um, I once. got one the other day. So yeah. yeah. Yep. So it needs to be like a New South Wales health email address that's attached to the application. Yep. And once that um, has, has gone through, our administrators can kind of can give you a, a login where you can access this clinical calculator so you mm. can enter in your demographics for the patient and yep. then you grab your three pieces of paper and you're good to go cool and then you're drawing it up i know being asked to draw up 0.2 of a mil i'm sure you get used to drawing up doses that are so small yeah well that's that's my normal okay so, <laughs> so, so if you see a 10 mil syringe you're like what <laughs> yeah. yeah absolutely yeah and we were holding um for you know surfactin like i mean yeah. i'm sitting there with an ampule worth a lot of money. Yeah. You guys are carrying a lot of different stuff. Yeah. Stuff that I haven't used looking after adults. Yeah. It's, it is pretty interesting. We we carry um, surfactant or otherwise known as Curasurf. Um, so we can administer this to babies that say, for instance, have RDS or HMD, um, you know, PPHN, things like that. Um, yeah, it's pretty unreal what we can administer on retrieval. Um, but we also use the resources at the hospital that... Um, is referring as well. This team's very unique. Like I've walked on, I've met about 30 people and everyone's either said hello and wanted to talk. Yeah. Um, although they're busy, it's a very interesting team. And I, what, what makes it so special? I guess um, what makes it so special is that we've, we've all seen things, we've heard things that you wouldn't usually see or hear in a hospital. Um, and so we've got this mutual understanding that our job is quite special yeah. here. It, it isn't really a place to learn how to be a nurse. No. You really need to come here with experience. It, yeah. um, it's a lot of life experience that you learn coming yeah. here. And I do believe that your communication skills increase. Yeah. You kind of start getting comfortable at six months and then you'll come across a job that will shake you to your core. Yeah. And then you go through another six months of kind of being uncomfortable okay. again. Do you like remember those jobs as a clinician? Do you sort of drive home and someday they come up for you absolutely okay yeah i think we're very reflective with our practice here at nets um as you saw this morning we had a morning meeting which happens every day at 10 o'clock where we review all of our cases and we always talk about how we could have done things better mm. how we could have gotten a team there quicker yep. you know um, hindsight's a wonderful thing yeah. um but yeah those jobs they do come up quite a bit mm. um at really random times as well. And yeah. you'll have certain jobs that will trigger memories of other jobs. And it's not such a bad thing because it makes you go, hang on a second, what did we talk about when we debrief that job? Okay, I'm gonna do it a certain way. Okay. So you're always learning and you're always improving, but yeah, you, you definitely, I wouldn't want to say haunted because that sounds really terrible, but in a way you are haunted by yeah. a lot of jobs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah.
Um, what would be your advice to emergency departments? Being a NETS uh, retrieval nurse, NICU, you've got a lot of experience. Uh, look, I, I think it's hard to give advice because, you know, although, although we're looked at like, oh, this amazing team that just swoops in, we actually rely on referring centres a lot. And by the time we get there, you know, these EDs are already implementing life-saving procedures yep. or they're giving drugs that, you know, when we get there, we we just package the patient and we mm. move. You guys have done all the work. So I don't really have criticism no. at all. Um, I think referring hospitals are amazing at what they do yep. with the very limited resources they sometimes have. Um my advice is if you think a patient needs to be referred to NETS, don't wait. Yeah, cool. Good. Refer them early. Uh, we did look at something that was developed by someone at NETS that showed, and it's amazing sort of stuff like where's the closest hospital? How long does it take to yeah. get here? Where is the closest emergency pack in maybe a centre nearby? Yeah. What, what is that? Um, so a lot of things that people don't know is that... Um, we have good egg packs around the state. And What's an egg pack? So an, a good egg pack is um, a pack that contains a neopuff. Yep. Um, it'll have IV lines that are appropriate for babies. Um, so it just all these, you know, like a, for, sorry, for an example, like a, a mask for yep. a baby. Yep. Um, and these good egg packs are usually in regional centres yep. and can be um, transferred out to, you know, these rural centres that are referring to NETS and need that extra bit of help and may not have this equipment. We've activated these good egg packs to get out to these um, rural hospitals, which is amazing. We've had police officers drive them out. Wow. We've had pediatricians drive them out from the regional hospitals yep. just to give a hand. Like, it's unreal, the, the ex, you know, the help that's out there for these hospitals. Like, it's probably one of the best things about working at NETS is that you get to see healthcare in a different light. I mean, working at a hospital, you're all working for the good of the patient, but when you're working at NETS, you see how different areas come together for, mm. for the you know, for the best interests of that patient. Yep. And it's it's really quite heartwarming. It sounds quite cliche, but it's it's unreal. You, mm. There's so much good out there yeah. and it's just not spoken of. Yeah, wow. But I swear I could talk to you all day. You've got so much knowledge. And uh, thank you for having me here because I to be here on the base is actually super exciting for me. It's one of my goals. I've always wanted to come awesome. on to be here. <laughs> come join our team. Yeah, in the show notes, um, I'll add some case notes for anything interesting, especially all the summaries of all the data yeah. from NETS. Um, we might add some other educational stuff in there as well. Maybe some stuff on some of the drugs that we use, nitric oxide, I might add some stuff in on that. Yeah, some really surfactant as well. Um, and even some of the, you know, other neonatal disorders that are out there, um, any literature around that. Yeah, so, awesome. Thanks for your time, Jill. You're so welcome. You, bye. <laughs> any advice given on the ED jam should not be taken over your local medical practitioner. Hey everyone, just a quick personal reflection. When I first got to NETS, I was so excited about being at NETS that I think I really forgot the weight of what it was like to look after a really sick kid. Sometimes I get really excited personally about the medicine that I think I forgot that when you're looking after a really sick kid, you may have to deal with infant and pediatric death. And Jill reminded us of this in this episode. I guess I wanted to use this time just to make sure you guys are looking after yourself. Make sure you're using services that are available to you. Uh, make sure you're checking in with a colleague to see how they are, especially after a heavy situation at work. Um, all of your emergency workers are doing such a great job. 
um, and keep your head up and keep smiling. Thanks. Thank you everybody for tuning in this week to the ED Jam. Please follow me on Instagram, edjam underscore podcast. Um, now, coming up next week, we are covering hematological emergencies. And yes, I'm chatting to a hematologist. Woohoo! Get ready. Woohoo!